I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 133, in which I have a story of heartbreak and a rotary cutter. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 15th, 2013. Yes, indeed, I did actually drop off the face of the Earth. It was, you know, actually quite pleasant, peaceful, floating around in space for a while. Perhaps I ran into Sandra Bullock, or perhaps I saw the tortoise who's really holding up the disk of the Earth. And if you don't understand that second reference, perhaps you ought to read some Terry Pratchett. In any case, um, yeah, it's been a month, which actually kind of surprised me when I realized it had been a month. Somewhere in my head, I lost a couple of weeks there. You know, <laughs> floating around in space apparently messes with your sense of time. Um, it's just, again, it's just been very intense at work. Even though I haven't been traveling, um, I've been home, but this is the time of year when we are full-fledged into planning all of 2014, um, all of our events, a lot of resources were starting to kick into gear, and we've got our, um, uh, one of our set of board meetings is coming up next week, and so it's just every day is just chock full from the moment I turn on my computer until the time I turn it off, and I've had some evening conference calls, that kind of thing, um, but I'm also really trying to be conscientious about sticking to my exercise schedule. I've not been good about doing it every day, as those who are on Fitbit know. I've had a few days with really abysmally low steps um, counted. But it's, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to do it as I can. And I've really been trying to prioritize um, exercising, that if I have an evening where I don't have stuff going on, I try to make sure I get to the gym. Unfortunately, I've had few evenings where I haven't had stuff going on. And um, there's been a lot of days where I've just gotten to the end of my workday, shut off my computer, and, and basically just shut down. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I didn't really want to interact. You know, I haven't even been all that active on Twitter, um, haven't been blogging that much. So it's it's just been a very tiring time. Um, the next couple of weeks, this weekend, I'm actually out of town for fun. It's my husband and my 26th wedding anniversary, and we always go to Niagara-on-the-Lake, um, pretty much always for eh, probably at least two-thirds of those 26 years. We've gone to Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is a wonderful town for those of you who are within the reach of Ontario, Canada. It's just right over the border from Buffalo. It's really, really pretty, especially this time of year, but it's also the home of the Shaw Festival, so they um, have wonderful plays of by George Bernard Shaw or his compatriots. Um and we, you know, going up this time of year, the the season is sort of ending for the plays, so we're still able to see some, but it's not nearly as crowded as it is at other times. And it's just gorgeous in the fall. Um, and we're generally very lucky with our weather, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's always a very nice weekend away for us. Um, and it's a long weekend. We go on Thursday, and we stay until Sunday. And then I leave town again Wednesday, after that for work. So tonight I did actually have something else going on. I wasn't going to be able to record tonight either, but that got canceled about 10 minutes ago. So I thought, oh, I better throw together a podcast episode now while I've got a chance. My husband's out at a meeting um, 
that I had already closed the dogs out of my office for the conference call I thought I was going to be on. Um, so it was a moment of quiet. Therefore, I cannot actually really guarantee the quality of this episode. <laughs> so, so for any of you who are new listeners with me tonight, my sympathies, um, you know, stick with me. I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're able to get something out of it. Uh, for those of you who have been with me for a while, thank God for your perseverance. <laughs> Is, is all I can say. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to uh, start with some belated catch-up notices, and then I will tell my story of heartbreak and a rotary cutter, and then I will do some listener feedback, because for as quiet as I've been, you have been talking to me, and I really do appreciate that. So, a little bit of catch-up. I just found... And now I don't. I made this note to myself a while back, threw it on my notes for whenever I got to a next episode, and I'm sorry, now I don't... Oh, I think it's in Kiva. As you know, at the end of every of my episodes, I talk about Kiva. Kiva is a um, microloan website, and I have a Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva. And I was just in there the other day. I actually, I'm in Kiva quite a bit, loaning loaning back, etc., etc. But I rarely actually check the messages in Kiva because I'm never expecting to get them. Well, I found a message from Maureen. Maureen, if you're listening, if you're still with me, I'm so sorry. I just saw now that you had left a message in August 2012, and I just found it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Kiva's messaging, unfortunately, does not do notifications, so you actually have to go in to know, you, you have to know to go in and look for messages. I'm not good at doing things unless my computer reaches out and, you know, cuffs me upside the head and says, hey, you got a message, go look. Um, anyway, Maureen's message was, thanks for sharing the good news, Sandy. Kiva is one of those things that kind of sits in the background of quilting for the rest of us while it's doing something good in faraway places. I like the idea of sponsoring individuals. Have you thought of a challenge to enlarge our team? Maybe sign up and donate $25 and your name goes in the hat for some goodies from Sandy's shelves. Just a thought. And you know what, Maureen? That's a great idea. So, um... I don't quite know how I'm going to do this, but what I would like to do is, if you are somebody who is interested in microloans, and if you just Google um, economic empowerment for women microloans or something, you will probably find information on what that all means. But go to Kiva's website, it's K-I-V-A dot org, and um, read about them. I do want to say... Kiva is listed in Charity Navigator. I always do due diligence when I get involved with a, a charity, an online one. Um, charity Navigator, which is a very well-respected, not for, uh, sorry, charity, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Vetting is the only word that's coming to mind. Um, they They go through charities who submit to them and they give them scores on how effective and efficient they are. It's financial transparency is basically what it is. And Kiva gets a score of 68.69 out of a possible 70. Okay, so they are almost 69 out of 70 in Charity Navigator. And most especially accountability and financial transparency, they're rated a 70. So these guys aren't messing around. And what Kiva does, if you donate $25, I think might be the minimum that you can donate. Um, You choose whose person, you know, there's this whole list and you can sort by country, you can sort by gender, you can sort by type of business these people are trying to do or whatever. Um, You donate $25 and to that person and you say, I want it to go to this person. And you go through that process. 
And then as that loan gets paid back, your $25 gets put back into your account. And at that point, you can then choose whether to take the money back or, you know, and just get a check for $25. Um, <coughs> excuse me, that might be minus some sort of processing fee. I don't know. I've never asked for my money back. Um, or you re-donate it to somebody else or loan it. I should say it's not a donation. It's a loan. Um, I have been doing Kiva for several years now. I keep funneling my money back in. Um, and it's really wonderful because you do see reports from the, the, the person. It's all run through various organizations around the world. So you really need to go on the site and look it up. Um, I do have a link whereby you can actually um, join my team on Kiva or the Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva. And I will put the link in the show notes to this episode. Um, and then I'll figure out a way and a time period <laughs> by which it'll probably just be a couple of weeks because I do like to keep these things kind of limited. Um, let's see if this is October 15th. Let's say by Thanksgiving. I will look at everybody who's joined the team by Thanksgiving and I will do some sort of a giveaway. And by then I'll have figured that out. So thank you so much, Maureen, for the suggestion. I really honestly had not thought about that, but I really would love to do it as those of you who have been listening to my podcast for a while know that um, particularly economic empowerment of women globally is a huge issue for me. And Kiva is a wonderful way to do it. So um, I, I'm behind it and I'm happy to to encourage people to be a part of it. Uh, I don't mention it that often on this podcast because I don't want people to feel like I'm asking for money, which I'm not. I'm just saying this is a great way to do this if this is something you're interested in doing. Otherwise, you can just ignore it. Okay, my second announcement, I have a big welcome back to send out to Allison. Um, some of you may remember Allison had a podcast a while back. She has now resurrected her podcast. It's called Within a Quarter Inch. She has great information about quilting, great stories about her life. Um, again, kids younger than mine, it's always entertaining to, <laughs> to listen back to, you know, what was the day. Uh, it's definitely worth a listen. It's just, you can find it at within a dot, sorry, within a quarter inch.com or look for her new feed on iTunes. She says you'll know it's the new one if it has episode 67 and higher on it. So if you've never listened to her before, you can find either feed and you'll, you can get all her ear, earlier episodes, but she's not still putting new ones on that feed. You have to subscribe to the new one with episode 67 and higher in order to get any new episodes. Um, and you can, of course, you can follow her on Pinterest and all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check it out again within a quarter inch.com. And welcome back, Allison. Nice to have you back. Uh, I, I'm working actually on scheduling two interviews, two different people. So um, it really struggling. <laughs> I've had several near misses with Jay. We were so close, so close this weekend. And then things came up and, and I was not able to do it this time. Other weekend, she's not been able to do it. So it's just, it's been a bear. So Jay, we are still working on it. We're still going to make it happen. Probably not the next couple of weeks, but once I'm back again, then I am back for a while. So hopefully we'll be able to pull that off, you know, before the new year. Um, the other one is kind of a surprise guest and I will uh, keep working on that one. Um, hopefully that also before the end of the calendar year. Um, all sorts of good things I want to happen before December 31st. And, you know, we say it's October 15th. Oh, we should be able to get all this stuff done. But I know my life. That's what happens. So keep your fingers crossed that we can all work out these schedules soon and I can have these two interviews to share with you. And there might be a third one 
in the works. So lots of good stuff coming up. Okay, here it is. I don't know whether to call this a story of heartbreak or a confessional or <laughs> or what? <laughs> or a cautionary tale, perhaps. Perhaps it is all of those things. Part of the reason I actually was not podcasting for a significant number of nights was because, as you may remember, I kept talking about the fact that I was really working to finish a quilt for my step-niece, for my sister's stepdaughter, who was at that time expecting. Um, and I had found some fabrics. I, I found the first fabrics when I was in Paducah, which was actually not all that long after we found out that she was pregnant in the first place. Um, that was last April, of course. For those of you who know Paducah, that's one of the major quilt conferences in the country, is in Paducah every April. And I had found some fabrics that I just thought were beautiful. And I I don't honestly know the Stepneys very well because um, my sister married their father when they were already mm, junior high, senior high. They were, I think they were somewhere in high school age and they lived in another step, uh, state. So I only saw, met the girls infrequently through the years. I have met them, but only a handful of times. So I don't know them very well. So I was getting some information from my sister um, and the fabrics, just knowing the family, I'm, you know, follow them on Facebook, everything. The fabrics that I had chosen really kind of said to me that they were appropriate for my stepneys. They were not at all traditional. They were, um, they're much more sophisticated colors, different kinds of colors. It had a very different feel to it. It did not scream baby quilt, the, these fabrics at all. There was one fabric in them that was actually a baby fabric. Um, but it's a sophisticated baby fabric. It's a cream background with like a charcoal gray calligraphy script of phrases, baby phrases in French. Um, you know, things like mon petit chouchou, <laughs> my little cabbage head or whatever that one means, um, things like that. Uh, and it just, oh, it just felt so sophisticated. And then the focus fabric that I just fell in love with for it actually is a Christmas fabric, but boy, it doesn't look like Christmas. I think when you put it together with the rest of the line, then you get that Christmas vibe, but it's a paisley fabric. And I'm sorry, at the, I do not have in front of me the name of the line. And in fact, that was the only reason I even realized it was a Christmas fabric. I just chose it because I loved the design. I loved the colors. Um, and it was only later when I looked on the selvage, I was like, oh, it's a Christmas fabric. <laughs> I don't remember what the name is, but I, I'll try to look that up if I remember to post it on the show notes. Um, but it's this wonderful paisley. It's got a dark gray background. It's sort of a sage green and it does have just hints of a cranberry red, or not even cranberry necessarily, like a real deep burgundy red. Um, but they're just touches in there. It's just a beautiful fabric. And I thought, oh, this is not baby fabric, but boy, this is just what I want to use. Well, when I decided, okay, I'm really going to do this baby quilt, I had, when we were in Paducah, there was a display at the National at the National Quilt Museum. They had this whole exhibit built around the Jacob's Ladder Block, and I realized how much I really love that Jacob's Ladder Block. So I decided, you know, I'm going to do a Jacob's Ladder Block with this fabric, and it'll be kind of traditional, but new and, you know, fresh at the same time. I, I really felt like it would fit. So when I got home, I designed... Um, a baby quilt 
with the Jacobs Lighter Block in EQ7. I had scanned all of my fabrics in. I had pulled some other fabrics off my shelf that went with it to fill out the number of different fabrics I needed. Um, when I designed it, oh, by the way, and in EQ7, they do not have Jacob's Ladder. They have Road to California, which is basically the same thing. There's several variants on the basic Jacob's Ladder design. Road to California is, is the same, pretty much. Um, and so I used that block. I designed it, like I said, around the fabric I'd already bought. But when I got the design done and to the size I felt I needed in order to... I wasn't looking for a finished size uh, to fit a baby quilt. I was looking for a finished size that would actually show the design I had. Um, when I got that design done, I realized, well, okay, I actually need more of the focus fabric than I had. I don't know why. I didn't actually have that much of that focus fabric, and I'm wondering if I picked it off, up off a remnant shelf at Hancock's of Paducah. I might well have, so maybe that's all I had, because with focus fabrics, I typically buy more, because you think you might be using them for a border or whatever. Um, but I, I think I only had like half a yard to start. And I needed, I ended up needing something like a yard and a half because I was using it in the blocks and then also on the border. So, well, that kind of stopped me. I said, okay, well, I guess I need to get more fabric. Now, by now, by the way, it's end of August because even though I bought all that fabric in April and I designed it, well, I don't think I actually sat down to design it until over the summer. I didn't actually start working on this thing until the end of August. Um, cause you know, all of a sudden you're realizing, Hey, she's due in like a month. <laughs> I got to get this done. Um, so I designed it, realized I needed more focus fabric, got online, found it somewhere. I, I don't remember the name of the shop I found it in, but it took me a while to find it cause it is by now an older fabric. And I ordered it when it finally came about a week later, it was a good seven days, I think. When it got shipped to me, I opened it up. I was like, okay, I can finish this off this weekend. It was the wrong colorway. Now, yes, I could have sent it back. I could have contacted it. At that point, I was like, dang it, get on the computer, find it somewhere else, order it again. And I did find it somewhere else. Once you know that time, I do remember I found it at Missouri Star Quilt Company. I don't know why I didn't turn up there the first time. Um, but I did, then did order what I needed. And I put the other one aside thinking, well, I can use it as a backing, you know. It still speaks to the same thing. I hadn't really thought through backing. I can use it for something. Um, so then I had to order again and wait for that one to come to me. So that put me behind a little bit. And there was another fabric I was a little short on that I had to order more of, but I don't remember which one that was. So, you know, all of this is adding to the time, a little bit adding to the stress of I can't just sit down and get this thing done. Well, then when I did finally, you know, and, and meanwhile, I'm, I, I did cut and piece the number of blocks I could without getting the more fabric. So I got it partially done. It just, it felt like it was taking me for freaking ever to put this thing together. Now, the Road to California block is not a hard one. It's four patches. It's half-score triangles. <laughs> it does not take that much to put together. Um, but, you know, it was just one of these things where I just couldn't, I was only getting to it like one night a week. I just, I couldn't keep poking away at it. So it just felt like it was taking a long time. Um, and then when I, when I finally got the whole top done, I was like, holy cow, this thing's huge. <laughs> you know, you don't even really notice how big it is. You see the measurements on EQ and you kind of think, well, that's kind of big, but it's okay. You put it together, you see it on your design wall. It doesn't even fit on my design wall. <laughs> and I'm thinking this poor kid is going to be wrapped five times over in this quilt. It, was, it came out to something like 60 inches um, square, close to that. 
And uh, what, a, a twin size quilt is like 70 by 80 or something. <laughs> it was not that far off. It was really, really big. And I kept, every time I looked at it, I kind of laughed to my husband. I'm like, they're not going to know what hit them when they got this thing because it was so big. Um, so anyway, I, I put it all together. It's hanging on my um, design wall. And then I'm thinking, oh, crud, I've got to put a backing together for this thing. And the other um, the other backing, you know, the fabric that was in the wrong colorway was not going to be enough. So I knew I was going to have to piece a backing too. Um, but at this time, it was when I got it hanging up on my design. Well, actually, in the process of sewing the blocks together, and yes, Jay, I was chunking my blocks. I was doing them in sets of four. Um, but you still, no matter how many times you chunk, you're still going to end up with some longer seams. Um, it, there were places where the seams just weren't matching. And I was pinning the hay out of these things. And I even ripped a whole set of seams out and did them again. Got them a lot closer, but they still weren't on. And I don't know whether... I, I had this problem once before with something I designed in EQ. And I don't know whether when I adjust the size of a block... I have everything set for, um, I, th I think, a quarter-inch seam. You know how you have some choices, those of you who have used EQ7, if you have choices in how large a seam you're going to have or whatever. I have mine for quarter-inch seam. I think you can set it for eight-inch. There's a couple of different settings. I don't know whether maybe if when I resize a block, it, it averages out or something, but you would think it would still be fine. But the other time, I've only done one other EQ7-designed quilt, and my seams didn't match that time either. And I don't know, I can't imagine this is an EQ thing because I know a lot of people use EQ and this is not something I see happening. So if anybody uses EQ and has ever had that happen, <laughs> let me know. I am more than willing to believe I'm just screwing up, you know, but it, it didn't feel like that because I was being so careful. I really wanted this quilt to turn out well and somehow those seams just weren't matching up. But I decided, you know, when I looked at it and like I said, I had already ripped out some seams and by now... This is now the weekend that I know the baby is due. And I'm thinking, I got to get this puppy done so I can get it in the mail. Well, I decided, you know, this quilt is so dang huge. And I kept, you know, kept saying to myself what Frances of Off-Kilter Quilt always says about the muggles. She probably won't even notice it. Once it's all quilted, you're not even going to notice where those seams don't match. So I'm, I'm just going to go for it. You know, most of it looked great. I'm just going to go for it. Well, okay. So then I got the backing pieced and was able to do it out of, it was actually kind of, I liked the backing. I used um, the the rest of the fabric with the baby phrases on it. I was able to use that as one large piece on the back, which I really liked because I used it as a background in the front. So it got all caught up, cut up and was kind of, you know, angled all different directions. So in one block, the writing was going one way and another, or one piece, it's one direction, one piece, it's another direction. Um, which was fine for the front, but it meant you would really have to read it to see that these were baby-related phrases. So I thought, well, it'd be kind of nice to have the big pic the big fabric on the back so people can flip it over and say, oh, that's what that says. And then I used other scraps kind of around the outside of it. Well, then I got to the point of needing to baste it. And when I baste, I have to clear off my cutting table, haul my cutting table out into the middle of the room, and then use that to baste. And this quilt was too big to baste on my cutting table. It was draped over the side. But I have clamps that I use, you know, to clamp it, and then I just slide it back and forth. I've done that a few times. Um, and I started to pin baste it. 
But then I decided, again, this is by now we're at like Sunday around noon, and I was determined to have this thing at least done to the point of having being able to bind it, you know, get the binding on the front by Sunday night so that I could finish it Monday night, get in the mail Tuesday. That was my current schedule. So I start to pin baste it, and I thought, you know what, this is just going to take too dang long. I've still got spray based. I think I'll be okay spray basting it. And I, I use spray based a lot. I don't tend to use it on projects quite this big, although I have before, but this is the first time in a while I've done it. And I, so I pulled, I took all the pins that I'd put in there out, reset everything, got my spray base down, spray basted it in sections. And I noticed when I was spray basting it, that it didn't seem to be quite as sticky. So here's your first learning note. Spray based does lose effectiveness. I don't really know how old my can is. It can't be more than a year old, if that much. Because I, you know, like I said, I do spray based a fair amount of stuff. Um, but I've also been using fusible battings the last few smaller quilts I've done. So maybe this is a little bit older than a year. Uh, but I noticed as I'm, you know, kind of sticking it down, thinking, this doesn't feel quite as sticky, but, you know, I think I'm still good. I tested a few corners that seemed to be fine. Put it right in under my machine. Um, now, here's where I think I made the second. <laughs> the first mistake was using spray-based that I suddenly wasn't quite as, well, actually, that was probably the second mistake. First mistake was deciding to spray-based it because I had also debated, do I rent time on a long arm? to do this because again mind you it's 60 inches by freaking 60 inches and i hate i hate machine quilting on my domestic machine larger projects i don't mind doing it on small ones that i can just shoot around under there i hate the ones that i've got draped over my shoulder i'm hauling them around i really hate that and i've got a great setup i've got you know kind of the ideal setup for doing this kind of thing um, I just don't like doing it. It's not something I enjoy doing. So I debated doing the long arm thing, decided, no, I really don't have time to wait until I can get over there, rent the time, get it all set up, do it again. I really have to do this at home. Mistake number one. Mistake number two, no, I don't really want to pin base this. I'll spray base it instead. Mistake number three, oh, the spray base doesn't seem like it's quite as good as it used to be, but you know, I'll be okay. So, <laughs> all right, now we're already through our first three mistakes. Fourth mistake, I think, was... Um, I decided, and again, I've done this a couple times before, when I want to make sure that the edge of the quilt is fairly secure, I basted, machine basted, the outside edge of the quilt. Knowing that when I started quilting from the center, you know, it might push that out. And, you know, being willing to say, okay, it's time for me to rip out the spray, spray uh, it's not spray base, the... Um, stay stitching so that I can, you know, push that part out, but just wanting to make sure I'd held it down. I would have been better off. Like I said, I did it before. It worked well, but I would have been better off this time if I'd not done that. And if instead I had just done the um, usual kind of doing a straight line down the center blocks and across, you know, kind of doing your grid that way um, in the st stitch in the ditch so that it's not very visible. But I didn't want to have that showing on the back was kind of what I was trying to avoid. I should have just let it show on the back. So anyway, what are we up to? Mistake number five. <laughs> so I based it around the whole outside, had everything ready to go. And kind of, again, I'm checking it as I go and everything seems like it's all still together and it's still holding. Well, I started my um, machine quilting. And, I, you know, here's where the heartbreak actually comes in. It's not, <laughs> it's not all the quilting that's come up to this point. 
It's the fact that as I was machine uh, free motion quilting and I had decided just to do a stipple on this because, you know, after all, at this point, I'm reminding myself, it's just a stinking baby quilt. Just stipple the darn thing and get it over with. I, I'm actually feeling like it's going really well. You know, I, I wasn't having, I w- the rhythm was going well. My stitches were really darn even. And I kept flipping it over and looking at the back and I wasn't whiskering at all. It was beautiful. <laughs> the free motion quilting was stinking beautiful. Probably one of the better ones I've ever done. Now, mind you, I keep flipping it over the, to check the back as I'm going, mostly to make sure because now I am seeing that the spray base is um, setting loose at the edges. So I want to really make sure that I'm not accidentally catching a corner of my backing, you know, underneath so that I'm quilting my own backing onto my the rest of my quilt. So I'm periodically, every 10 minutes or so, I'm kind of checking the side of the quilt, make sure everything's and I'm smoothing it out and making sure it's all good to go. And never saw a problem. And like I said, I'm I'm checking the stitching. It's beautiful. There's no whiskering on the back. I'm like, oh, I got this down. This is going great. I get now it's like three, four hours later because, again, huge quilt. Um, I'm probably within hmm, 12 inches of finishing the last border. And as I'm moving the quilt around to get at a better angle for that last corner, I happen to flip over a side again, although this time I'm just trying to get it out of my way, and I look over and there's a pleat in the back that's been quilted in. And I think, oh crap, (laughs) but wait, it's a small pleat, it's really close to the edge, I'm probably still good, it's probably close enough to the edge that I can just, you know, rip it out, I'll be good. I start to finish the quilting. I had the thought go through my head of, well, I'll just finish this edge. And then, well, then I was like, no, because I don't know whether I might end up having to rip out those stitches too. I better just stop where I am. So I stopped where I was, pulled everything out, flipped the whole quilt over. And at first that's still the only pleat I see. It's about maybe an inch long and it is pretty close to the edge. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. And then I start following along. There are at least five other pleats in the backing, right through the stinking middle of the quilt. And they are several inches long. One of them was at least 12 inches long. They were huge. I have no idea. Like I said, I had been flipping the side over as I was quilting. I'd been smoothing it out. I'd been kind of pulling the fabric out from underneath a little bit. Not hard. You know, I I was doing everything the way it was supposed to be done. It was because that spray based had not held. I was, as you can, I mean, this is the heartbreak part of the story, because by now it's Sunday, probably around five o'clock. I had been feeling good. Like I said, my quilting, and it still was beautiful. (laughs) Even as I was in there looking at the pleats, I'm like, but dang it, the quilting is really, really good. And then I'm just like, I can't even face this right now. And I'm, I don't want to say that I was cursing, but there might (laughs) There might have been a word or two. My dogs might have gone for hiding. But my husband, who is, his, his computer is in the same room as my sewing room and my home office. It's all one big room. And he was relaxing with a computer game and he heard all of this going on and he turned around and he's like, oh, what happened? And I said, probably one of the worst things that can ever happen to a quilter. <laughs> he's like, what? And so I pointed it out to him and he goes, oh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look like it's easy to fix. And I said, no, it's not. 
I said, I just, I just need, and he goes, you just need to walk away from it for a while. You just need to <laughs> step away from the quilt. So I, I left, I went downstairs, um, remarkably holding it together. I mean, I wasn't going to cry over this thing. I was just very upset. And so I sat and watched, I don't know, Poirot Poir- Poir- or something for a while and played a computer game and, or iPad game. And I was thinking through, okay, can I rip the seams out? Trying to picture what it was. What are my options here? So after I'd kind of cooled down for a little bit, I decided I really, I should try to go rip those seams out. So I came back upstairs, got the quilt, got my seam ripper, went back downstairs, turned on a movie. I thought maybe I can live with this. You know, maybe a couple hours I might be able to get this done. I start ripping out the first little seams, the first quilting on the edge. About 20 minutes later, I've made about an inch. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, no freaking way. This this is not going to happen. Because, you know, that baby's going to be entering kindergarten before I get this thing fixed. And I've got another niece with another baby on the way that I've got to get her quilt going. This is just not going to happen. So then I thought, okay, well, maybe I need to use a different seam ripper. So I, I came back upstairs and I got, I have a seam ripper that looks like, um, it's like a crescent shape, half moon shape. You can't even buy these things anymore. I love mine, and I am nursing this blade along. I've had this for like 10 years, and I haven't changed the blade. I've got one more blade, because I know I'm never going to replace this blade. Um, it's, I, I don't even know what this is called, a, a half rotary cutter, I think. I don't, it's not even called a seam ripper, but it's great when you're like paper piecing and stuff, because you actually, but I use it a lot for seam ripping, because you can actually slide it in between the pieces of the two fabrics and just slice the the thing. And I actually have better luck using that without cutting holes in the fabric than I do my regular seam ripper. So I thought, well, maybe I can pull the, you know, the top fabric away from where it's quilted down and just kind of slice through those quilting things. Maybe that'll go really fast. So I get that and I'm suddenly have hope again. And I go get my new cutter, go downstairs and start trying to pull away. And I realize, wait a minute, this is batting. I can't get between anything because the batting is just there. If I start trying to slice up with this cutter, I'm just going to have batting in shreds by the time I get done. So that idea didn't work. So then I'm all frustrated again, kind of put it all aside, um, sat and watched a little more Poirot or whatever it was. <laughs> and then I start thinking, okay, think Sandy, this quilt was stinking huge to begin with. What if I just cut it down and cut the parts with the um, folds out? So I laid it down on my floor upside down so that I could see where the pleats actually were, put my finger where one of the pleats was, flipped it back over, kind of saw where that end was, and then realized, yeah, you know what? I really probably could cut this down. I'd lose all the borders and I'd lose like one row of blocks up one side and one row of blocks across the top. But I think I can make this happen and still end up with a design that makes sense, not end up with something that's off center or whatever. Okay, I think I can do this. It's not ideal. It's not going to be the quilt I pictured it for being. It's not going to be as nice, but she's never going to know. So I bring it back. I I guess the next day now, by now, because, you know, it was getting way too late. So the next day, I then bring it back up to my cutting table. I lay it out and I use painter's tape to kind of tape off. And I'm, again, looking at where the pin, and I think I actually put pins where those pleats were so that I could figure out where I had to put the tape and cut it down. So now I had just kind of a center of a quilt, a little bit smaller than the original center of the quilt. 
and I'm looking at it again. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, 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 I can I can make this work. All I have to do is stick a binding on this. I'm pretty good. I flip it over again, and I had not gotten all of the pleat. I don't know where I'd missed it. Again, I think it's because it was, at this point, it was in the paisley fabric, so it was actually kind of hard to see. Now, I had a pleat happen once before years ago on the back of a quilt, and what I decided to do, because I didn't see it until I was completely done quilting, there was no way I was going to rip out all that stitching, what I actually did was hand applique down the edge of that pleat so you couldn't see it. And that was fine. I don't even remember what quilt that's on. It's probably one in my house somewhere. Um, but for this particular quilt, I really didn't want to do that. One, because it's a baby quilt, so I didn't know when that worked loose. Is the kid's toe going to get stuck in it? That was part of it. And the other part of it is because, again, I don't know this particular niece well, but I had been told that she is somebody of, shall we say, very discerning tastes. <laughs> so I was perhaps a little bit flipped out about sending her something that was less than as darn close to perfect as I could get it. And I was like, you know what? I cannot send her something that if she looks at it, she's going to realize, wait a minute, there's a huge pleat in this thing that got stitched down. I just didn't feel like I could do that. So now I found this, you know, where this pleat is, I decide, okay, I can probably cut it down a little bit more, cut it down a little bit more. And again, have to keep cutting it in order to get it down to, you know, to make a design that made sense. Laid it on my cutting table. I now have something the size of a play mat, probably not much bigger than a cat bed. And now, because I've cut away all of that distracting other design, you can see where those seams don't match in my original piecing. It just jumps out at you in a way it never did before. And at that point, I was like, that does it. I'm done. I cannot save this quilt. It's just not going to happen. And I was so frustrated that just my brain just shut off. My mind just stopped. I was like, I was looking at this thing. I had no more ideas. I had no more thought of how I was going to save this. I had no idea of what I was going to now do for the step niece. I decided bag it. I need to get rid of the quilt. I need to go order my step niece from something from her target registry and just be done with it. And that's what I went marching over to my computer, got on target.com, found her name in the registry. She had still like three things left that nobody had gotten her during a shower. I sent her one of the things and then I emailed my sister and I said, I am so, so, so sorry. And I'm just not going to be able to do it. I wanted to make it happen. I was, you know, really making it more for my sister's sake so that she knew I was working on this then because I knew my stepniece wouldn't even have a clue any of this was even going on, wouldn't even be expecting anything. <laughs> I just, you know, I was really mortified when I was sending my sister the email. But the minute I clicked send, I felt so much better. It was just this weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I went over to my trash can, where by now the entire quilt was in pieces <laughs> in the trash can, emptied it into the garbage got it out of my room. I felt so much better that immediately upon walking back into my room, I suddenly realized I still have enough scrap to make a disappearing nine patch. What came to me in the catharsis of throwing out that quilt and sending my sister the email saying it wasn't going to happen and sending my niece some other gift so that I was releasing myself then from the gift-giving responsibility that was done, my brain turned back on. And 
I didn't have quite enough of the scraps left to do a disappearing nine patch, but I had enough that then I could supplement with some other five inch squares I had in my stash and some other stuff I had going on. What I realized in all of that was that, it, you know, yes, I enjoyed the design of the quilt and I, I liked the process that I'd taken in designing the quilt and all that kind of thing, but it was really the fabrics. It was the fabrics I loved. And I still had just enough left of the fabrics that I loved to still make another more reasonably baby-sized <laughs> quilt that was a more reasonably baby-appropriate design. A disappearing nine patch is great. She's not going to, you know, dirt is not really going to show. It's going to be um, a much more reasonable stroller size quilt. And you know what? I had the center done in about an hour and a half. It was that fast. I love disappearing nine patches. <laughs> They're really fun. And arguably it's actually an even better quilt the baby has now been born and we knew all along it was um, going to be a boy and the original quilt while vaguely masculine <laughs> was still not you know it, it, it was probably arguably a slightly more feminine design and look the new one is very clearly a masculine one even though it still has a lot of those original fabrics in it I supplemented with a lot of darker fabrics so it definitely has more of a masculine look to it it's still very sophisticated but i think it's a little bit more fun than the original one um i don't have it finished yet i'm hoping to get it finished maybe this week but it it's gonna work uh, you know in some ways i think i probably like this end result better so that was my story of the heartbreak it does have a happy ending there will indeed be another quilt for the baby um i did email my sister <laughs> Because she had emailed me back a very sweet email the next day saying, I'm so sorry, your heart must have been broken. That really, you know, I can imagine how difficult that must have been to not have that work out. It's okay. You know, don't worry. You can, if you still want to make a baby quilt at some point, this baby's going to be with us for a while. So, you know, you can do that. And I emailed her back and I said, well, here's the funny thing. About 15 minutes after I sent you that email, I was already working on a new quilt. <laughs> so it's, you know, I just needed that catharsis. So... The the end results of this, well, first of all, I have to um, decide, <laughs> am I going to do this on my home machine again, or am I going to quilt it if I'm finally going to go down and just rent time on that long arm? Um, the baby's already born at this point, so the immediate urgency is done. I just, at this point now, I'm thinking, eh, if I get it done before Christmas, I'm good. Um, and the other effect is that my other niece's baby quilt just underwent a complete design revision in my head because once again for hers I had this actually even more complicated design that I really wanted to do because I knew oh she and her husband would love it it's very graphic they're both artists um it was it's a really fun design and everything but I'm you know now what I'm saying is why am I killing myself with these huge and that one would be even bigger I think it's more like a almost a twin size quilt these huge complex designs it's a baby quilt and if i want to do something complex you know again i can do it for their high school graduation <laughs> i don't need to do it for the baby quilt so i'm I'm now kind of rethinking how i'm going to approach my other niece's baby quilt and part of that's also because frankly i've got other stuff i want to do and a baby quilt needs to be something fairly fast so that you don't you know so that the parents don't feel bad if the baby's spitting up and other bodily fluids on it and they can wash it as much as possible and everything. So that's kind of a, another uh, leftover effect of this whole experience is that my other niece's baby quilt might be a completely different quilt from what I originally pictured. Um, 
I already have all the fabrics for it. I know the feel I want to go for. I just need to figure out how to do that. It might well be another disappearing nine patch. I really, disappearing nine patches, if you figure, if you plan your fabrics well, which I've done enough of them now, I know exactly what ends up where, um, they can be pretty cool. So I'm I'm thinking I might gift myself, <laughs> do myself the favor of just doing another disappearing nine patch that I could have easily done in a weekend. Now, Here's the thing. I know some of you are itching right now to send me emails about all the other things I could have done with the cut up original quilt um, other than throw it out. I know to some of you that just made your jaws drop. It sent shivers up your spine. It, you know, knives in your hearts, whatever you think. What a waste. Oh, there should have been so many other things she could have done. She could have made placemats. She could have made a dog bed. She could have made a cat bed. She could have done this, that, and the other thing. Believe you me, I thought through all that stuff why I threw it out. This is the second time, I believe, that I have actually thrown out something that I had been working on. And I have actually since talked to very famous quilters who have actually thrown things out. Here is why. I was so angry and frustrated that even as I looked at the pieces And every time I thought I really should do something else with these, I just had this mental block. I looked at them and all I could see was failure. All I could see was failure. The minute they hit the trash can and they were out of my house, it was, it was a catharsis. It was a rebirth. It was like suddenly I was okay again. I could do this. And I suddenly also, because I then immediately started designing another quilt, which has turned out quite nicely, my my confidence came back. You know, all those things that kind of something like that shakes and you have to go through those hours of saying, I'm such a horrible quilter. Why don't you even bother trying to do this? It all went away. Um, so, you know, don't email me all the things you think I should have done with the quilt. I did what I needed to do and it worked for me. I felt so much better. I got creative again. Yes. Yeah, sure. I wasted some fabric. Yeah, sure. There was some money represented in that fabric and in that batting. But what's more important to me is my mental well-being. And at that point, that's what I needed to do. Um, you know, that's that's just what I need to do. And, and I really did think through, do I take all these things and make a pillowcase and stuff them in there and make it a dog bed? Yeah, I could have done all that. But then I'm also thinking, okay, but then I got to find the time to get over to the um, place where I'm going to donate this stuff. And I don't have time to do, I mean, it just started feeling even more burdensome to try to figure all of that out. So I was like, no, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm just relieving myself of this responsibility. So I'm telling you all of this because I guess it's to give you permission. <laughs> if you start feeling like there is some project you just need to relieve yourself of, relieve yourself of it. We are in this culture, especially in quilterdom, where everybody's about using every last scrap of fabric and, oh, you know, I had this horrible mess, but then I turned it into something else. That is fantastic. That is wonderful. I've done that sometimes. You know, listen to whatever episode it was in uh, in which I had a a cautionary tale quilt. I don't remember now, in which I saved a quilt from almost certain discussion, uh, destruction. It was back in the 30s, I think, or the 50s. Anyway, I had a quilt that I was ready to give up on several times in the process, and I didn't, and it's now one of my favorite quilts. That can also happen, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And I think sometimes we start feeling guilty and obligated that we have to fix everything, or we have to 
keep working until we plug it away or we have to repurpose it or we have to do something. And I don't know that we always have to. If you want to, and if you will find that fulfilling and relieving, go for it. Wonderful. That's a wonderful thing. But if every time you look at something, you just feel like it's dragging you down, do something else with it. Gift it to a friend who might want to fix it and might get something out of it. Um, Donate it. Don't donate it because it's ugly and people who get donations don't mind ugly stuff, please. We've heard me rant about that again. Send it to a place that takes craft pieces. We have one here in Rochester um, that called Crafts and Pieces or Crafts Bits and Pieces or something that they take stuff that other people then will buy in it um, and fix themselves and it goes towards a good cause, that kind of thing. You know, do that kind of donation. Um, whatever you need to do to relieve yourself of that obligation, because I think once you do, you're going to feel so much better, so much better. So that's my story of heartbreak and a rotary cutter, but it's a happy ending and it's an ending I'm good with. And if you have ideas about all the things I should have done with that quilt, that's great. I don't feel the need to hear them. <laughs> I'm good. I'm moving on. Um, I, I'm really quite happy with where I am now. And I just have to figure out what I want to do about my other niece's quilt. Because I'm thinking what I'll do is do something simpler. Hold them both up until I can get to a long arm um, for several hours, like a Saturday or something, that they don't have classes scheduled on it. And just knock them both out at the same time. So that's kind of what I'm thinking now. So that's my story. Let's do a little bit of listener feedback. Okay, first of all, I want to say thank you so much to Mary Ann for sending me the link to a website called Treenway Silks. Um, I think it's just Treenway Silks. Because I was talking it, for the blog post in which I talked about the um, fiber arts festival that I went to and all the various fibers that I bought. And, and I'd listed... Um, one of the things I bought was our silk. They're called hankies because of the shape. They're kind of rectangular ways of doing silk roving, although you don't call it roving when it comes to silk. But anyway, she sent me this, um, a link to Trinway Silks, who does, they have something called silk fusion, where you actually kind of do various things with silk to turn them into another fabric. And I'm sorry, I don't have the website open in front of me to describe it accurately, but the website is Treenway Silks, T-R-E-E-N-W-A-Y silks.com. I will try to remember to put that link. Well, actually just, well, no, she emailed it to me, so she didn't, I can't just point you to her comment. Um, I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, the reason I'm saying Marianne is I have spent hours on that website. I haven't, I, I haven't ordered anything or bought anything. I'm just reading through it and it's just beautiful stuff to look at. Too. So thank you so much for Marianne. Marianne, that's been a a really wonderful source of entertainment. I even like bookmarked it right to my iPad home screen so I could just click it open anytime I felt like getting some eye candy and some good ideas. I want to say thank you to the following people who have subscribed to my blog by email. Mary Beth and Sherry and I don't know this, Williams something. I don't know what your first name is. Grandma did Garden Pat. Uh, CC Quilts, Janice, I have no idea how to even say, email addresses are tricky, um, Rosicat, R-O-C-E-T, uh, Anne, uh, Cheryl, oh, I love this, Whistlebritches Boutique, that's a great one, Vixen Jen, me, apparently I subscribed to my own blog, why did that come through? There's another one. I subscribed to my own blog twice, apparently. Um, 
And thank you to those of you who did link up to the Scrapitude Linky. I will do another Scrapitude for, uh, Linky for this step. I'm probably just not going to do it until I'm back from all of my travel because I am so far behind myself, so I don't even have anything to report. So do watch for another Linky for the Scrapitude. Um, I, I want to say thank you to Very Lazy Daisy, Jay, Marianne, Dorothy, Pratima, Pratima, Pratima. Sandy and Tammy for your comments on the blog post Scrapitude Progress and Linky Party number one. Um, Pratima, I enjoy keeping you company in your sewing room. Thank you so much for your comments. That was very nice. And uh, Sandy also said, um, this is not Sandy of Quilt Cabana. This is another Sandy has says she's been listening to older podcasts trying to catch up i've recently started making baby quilts for a pregnancy center any ideas for quick and cute baby quilts for charity would be appreciated and i if you hadn't already gotten the idea cannot say enough about the disappearing nine patch and i believe missouri's quilt company probably missouri star quilt company probably has a youtube video on how to do it but basically you make a nine patch you cut it down the center one way the center across and then you just twist and turn the pieces that are remaining and what i have found makes it most successful is to keep in mind that that center block the center piece of the nine patch is then going to become small squares that float through the design depending on how you rotate your blocks so what i like to do is keep that center unit i often will choose a solid or a reads as solid um, so that that's kind of your the place where your eye can rest and it creates movement through the quilt and then the four corner blocks on the nine patch, upper left, lower left, upper right, lower left, right, are not getting cut. So those are places where it's really good to use like your novelty fabric, if you've got one, um, or to, you know, to have some sort of a focus fabric that you really like. For my stepniece's baby quilt, that's where I used that paisley that I love. I put it in those corner blocks and then I actually used the other paisley that was the wrong colorway and the alternate color <laughs> corner block. So it's the paisley throughout. And then the other, the four remaining blocks, so center, um, top, center, bottom, uh, center, side, center, side. Does that make sense? A lot of times what I'll put in there are things that are um, like a geographic print or a smaller print or something. Because when you do your slicing, those are going to end up as bars on either side kind of framing those larger pieces so now that i've done three or four of these disappearing nine patches again what i tend to do i choose focus fabrics or a larger print or something that i don't mind you know that i want to have kind of keep it larger for the corners i generally will choose some sort of a solid or reads as solid for that center block um, and then i keep in mind that whatever i put in those other four squares is going to kind of frame everything else um, and I do all of mine with five inch squares primarily because that's what I've got. So it makes it very easy for a wheelchair sl uh, slash baby quilt. I do six, nine patches. So I've got uh, two, two, two kind of right in a row. So those are my hints about the disappearing nine patch and making it for a baby quilt or donation quilt. Um, boy, I'm getting close to an hour. So let me very quickly go through the rest of my uh, thank yous here. Thank you to Carol. And oh, Carol asked a question. I'm sorry. Um, she posted on Scrapitude Part 2, which I just posted this week, when we were sewing the triangles together in Step 2, 
all 128 should have the background facing in the same direction, correct. And the background has to be on the left like the picture, or can the background be on the right if they're all consistent? Just making sure before I get too far into the 128, that would be too much to rip out. Carol, I hope you haven't already gotten too far. Um, I, I'm sorry, let me quickly check my blog and see if I can answer. Okay, Carol, I just looked at the pictures again. Um, I think what's probably confusing you is that the picture on the top, well, what you do is if you always, as Charlotte says, lay the background fabric triangle on top and then the your background fabric, or I'm sorry, your whatever your scrap fabric is, is on the bottom and you sew down that one side as in the second picture on the blog, then they will always be correct. They will always be on the right side. Hopefully that answers. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, that's all I can tell you. That's what she's told me. I don't know what this design ends up being, so I can't tell you any more than that. But if you sew them together exactly as she described it with the background fabric on top and the seam on that right hand side, then when you fold it open and press it, yes, your background fabric will be then on the left, if I'm looking at my pictures correctly. Okay, so hopefully that answers that. Um, and Pam had left a comment that we did already answer. Yes, it is two and a half inch squares. And Very Lazy Daisy said her thanks. And by the way, Very Lazy Daisy finished script step two for two different quilts. She's doing it in two colorways, like within hours of me posting that blog. So you go, Daisy. She is setting the bar high for the rest of us. Um, thank you to Diane and a different Daisy and Margaret. Um, and she says, Margaret says, uh, this is related to the Band Books Week mini quilt. I confess I have a hard time relating to Band Books Week being Canadian. Well, we just don't ban books. That's not to say that books have never been banned on Canada. It's just we don't make a practice of it. Um, I will say, by the way, and I've had other people in the U.S. ask me this, banned books are not banned by the federal government. They're not banned by a state government. A banned book to make it on the banned or challenged book list is any body anywhere, mostly school districts, mostly schools. And a book makes the challenged list, even if it doesn't, even if the school doesn't actually take it off the shelves, but if somebody has written letters and tried to challenge that book, then it makes the challenge look. So this is not something that the U.S. does not ban books. It's individuals, again, mostly school districts um, who get letters from parents who say, I don't, I can't believe you have that book on a syllabus. I can't believe you have that book in a school library, that kind of thing. That's what it happens. Um, so, uh, Margaret, that's my answer to where that comes from. And like I said, there are people in the U S who said, Oh, I didn't know we banned books. No, we don't really. That's individual places that happens. Um, and thank you also to Jean and AJ Dub and Quilt and Jenny. All of you had very nice comments to make about my band book challenge. Um, thank you to, I'm trying not to repeat names of people. There's Lauren. Thank you so much to Lauren and Tori and Kati. And Kati, by the way, who is killing me on Fitbit on steps. Well, everybody is at this point, but Kati, you've been very impressive lately. Um, and Ethel. Oh, Ethel says, and this was on my first Scrapitude post, I believe. She says, if you starch your squares, it makes them easier to count. 
saves me lots of time. I'm trying whenever I can to help me with making the squares as accurate as possible. So those of you like me who haven't finished your cutting for Scrapitude yet, I do use a lot of um, Mary Beth's base, Best Press is what I use, but if you start as you're cutting, it does make it easier to handle those fabrics and keep count and all of that kind of stuff. Daisy, different Daisy, said I should try spinning. I didn't even talk on this episode about my spinning. I am spinning with a drop spindle. I'm actually, I think I might finally starting be starting to get the hang of it, but I'll talk about that on a different episode. Um, and I want to say thank you to all of you who are doing Scrapitude. Uh, Charlotte is touched and thrilled. She just couldn't believe how many people had joined in. She's really getting a, a kick out of that. So um, thank you to my sister, Diane. And again, AJ Dub. Um, oh, and, and Sue gave me a good idea for using Tyvek to mark my dyed fabric. And I've actually read that in some other um, books now as well. I had not heard of it before you emailed. And now I found that she said that's the stuff those indestructible envelopes are made out of. Um, she staples it to the fabric, so I'm going to have to try that because I'm definitely still working on it. Caitlin emailed about downloading all of my previous podcasts. I think I might have already responded to this in a previous episode. Um, that podcast, I can only have so many on iTunes and the rest are still being held hostage <laughs> on my old website. And I just haven't been able to figure out quite how to easily get them all available again. And that is still something in the works. In fact, my whole website is something in the works. So hopefully I'll be able to fix that. Um, meanwhile, you know, probably the more in the interesting ones are the more recent ones anyway. <laughs> um, and thank you also to new listener Linda. And I think that's it. Um, thank you to folks who have also been commenting on Flickr. So... I think I am now all caught up. We are, once again, at an hour. Um, like I said, it might be a couple of weeks, only because, once again, I'm on the road, although partly for fun, partly for work. And uh, hopefully I will then have some interviews for you by the next time as well. So that is it for this episode. It feels good to be back. Hopefully I will be able to get back into more of a, a schedule now. Um, meanwhile, talk to me. You know where you can reach me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook or join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do. And remember the T Kiva team. If you um, join my Kiva team, I will start keeping track of your names. And somewhere after Thanksgiving, I will do a drawing of some sort. You can find all of that and a whole lot more at... My the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.